Hey, Jared, how are you? Hey, doing good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Let's just give it a few minutes uh, here so we can allow everyone to log on. All right. Where are you calling in from today? I'm in LA. Nice. Sitting in, my, sitting in this lavish hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Um, well, give it a few minutes here. Allow everyone to sign in. All right. All right. Hello, every, hello, everyone. This is the Media Gel Podcast. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo. Today, we'll be covering influencers in cannabis, who they are, and how they can jumpstart your marketing strategy with a special guest, Jared Mursky. Since 20, uh, 2009, actually, you're OG, Jared. Jared Mursky and his award-winning cannabis-focused branding and marketing agency, Wick and Mortar, have been featured in dozens of magazines, including Entrepreneur Media, Forbes, National Geographic, Wired, Cheddar, Huffington Post, and CNN Money. Rebranding cannabis is his mission, and he aims to accomplish this by you know, helping to educate the industry of the power of successful branding in the cannabis space and the impact it has on the world. Welcome to the show, Jared. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Appreciate you. How's life? <laughs> life's, life's good. Life's grand. It's, uh, you know, the weather's much better in LA than it is in Seattle. So I'm happy to be here for a week. So it feels good. Yeah, man. Things are cooking. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, let's, uh, let's start off with your background. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and, and Wick and Mortar? I mean, you did a pretty good job of giving them my background. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, to make a long story short, shorter, um, started, uh, my design career when I was about 19 and then got into cannabis, uh, you know, after having ran my agency Mersky media for a few years, um, started gotten cannabis as a grower actually, uh, mm -hmm. was, was, was growing and selling weed illegally. Um, with some friends in a basement in, in, in Washington. And I was like, Oh, there's, there's something here. There's something here. And, uh, you know, I recognized then early on that there was no marketing um, or branding being really thought through when it came to dispensaries because cultivators were branding themselves then. Yeah. So, so that's when I got started, was too, early, you know, late 2008, early 2009. And, uh, you know, I just applied my, my skill sets to the space and would you know it, it worked. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now I've been around for a long time. Uh, like, like you said, I speak at a bunch of publications uh, for a bunch of publications at a bunch of conferences. Um, I spent a lot of time building my personal brand just as much as I've spent building Wick and Mortar, which I think is definitely a topic of discussion and certainly something important, uh, when it comes to, you know, building a business and, you know, creating that, you know, level of authenticity and trust. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I love the cannabis space. I love being in the vice world. I love doing things that are slightly illegal, but legal, you know, and finding the, and finding unconventional. Finding, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Unconventional. Yep. Yep. I was a uh, kind Does of a little, that mean that you're uh, going to be dabbling in the psilocybin market soon. Uh, I already am. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, nice. but yeah. So yeah, I love, I love being a part of the vice world, um, you know, and, and kind of shaping that into really what it should have been or what it should be. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of misinformation. So yeah, I'm here to shine some light on that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you touch on a, you know, something that, you know, I have a question on is like, how do you differentiate, you know, focusing on your personal brand 
uh, versus branding Wick and Mortar and, and really growing that as a business? Well, it's tough because at the end of the day, it has to align. And yeah. for, for me, uh, you know, it wasn't like I was, you know, launching a music career and then also in the cannabis industry, they, they have to complement each other. And yeah. right. And so when I look at uh, you know, my position in the space, you know, I, I recognize that, you know, Wick and Mortar could theoretically be an author of a, of a, of a, of a uh, article we wrote, but I'm the CEO of Wick and Mortar. So it's kind of like one hand washes the other. Um, you know, mm. if you're out there actively trying to be a figure for your company, it's yeah. just natural that you start to build your personal brand. And for me, it was, you know, speaking at conferences um, and, and you know, becoming a thought leader in that regard. I think also one of the biggest things that I did early on, and this is good for anyone looking at, you know, how to get, I guess, maybe free PR um, mm-hmm. or, or build PR relationships. But, you know, I would essentially look at those who are writing about cannabis and there weren't a lot then, um, but, you know, anyone who touched on marketing or branding, you know, I connected with them and I said, hey, look, I'm in this area. This is what I do. There's no one talking about it. Let me help be the voice for you. And if there are any other people that I can introduce you to in regards to other articles you might be writing about, I'm, I'm pretty good at networking. So I just kind of injected myself into, so I'd scroll down and I'd look at the bottom of the article and I'd find out who wrote it and I'd go find them on Twitter or I'd go find them on LinkedIn or, and I'd shoot them a message and I'd befriend the shit out of them. And you know, at a point you start to become um, you know, the go-to for that subject matter. So I found that to be pretty helpful, but you it's you speak at a lot of events, right? Like what's your favorite? <laughs> uh, the ones where I don't have to leave my house. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, but uh, God, you know what? It's hard to say because every conference is so different. Yeah. Um, and the atmosphere and experience is different. I could tell you more where I don't like speaking than where I do like speaking. Or what's your favorite but, conference then? You like uh, like the Hall of Flowers? You like MJ BizCon? Like what do you? What's Hall of your Fla- style? Hall of Flowers is definitely my style. Um, when it comes to just the the quality of event, it's just it's a different style because it's like Coachella. Yeah. It's like a Coachella conference, you know. Um, yeah. Which is which is kind of funny because it's it, which is funny and fun, but. Uh, I also like, you know, I like MJ BizCon. I didn't go last year. Um, I don't know. I guess to a degree, I've been feeling a bit like an introvert. Um, just having spoke at so many conferences, it's kind of nice to just chill and just focus on the business. And I think that's important too, because, you know, when you're building your personal brand and when you're building your business, there's a fine line between how much time you should spend on one or the other. Um, yeah, but exactly. Um, and we've it, crossed paths a lot on the conference circuit, right? I mean, that's how we, that's how we met. <laughs> so you and I've been friends for a very long time. Yep. 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 So, but, but, uh, I mean, as far as, you know, being an influencer, like, what inspired you to, to really take on, you know, that initiative, like, Hey, I need to get myself out there. I need to build my personal brand and I really need to create, you know, establish myself as a, as a thought leader. Uh, it's all about trust. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about trust. You know, if, if, if you're not, I mean, we're talking about an illicit market or once was, and we're also talking about, you know, the exchange of money, you know, the average branding deal that we do is, you know, it's around like $200,000 or a hundred thousand dollars, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to $200,000, depending on 
you know, what you're doing. If we're talking about building the brand identity, designing all the packaging, have it manufactured, yeah. building out the website, designing all the sales collateral, going, creating a go-to-market strategy, you know, all of these things take time. But the, 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 the biggest reason to answer your question, why I felt the value was because of building a personal brand in association with Wick and Mortar was because I knew that if I was the one person, if I was the salesman, if I was the one on the phone calls all the time, how was I going to close these deals faster when I knew that I wanted to have a personal relationship with, with these people? Um, and so like, I've got, you know, if, if the average deal is, you know, 80 to hundred thousand dollars in terms of brand identity, packaging, website, all the, you know, the, the, the average things, the ongoing thing, I needed to make sure that people trusted me and knew who the hell I was. And so if, if I wasn't, uh, you know, a publicist, uh, or, didn't write, you know, for articles or I, I wasn't who I was, then I would just be another guy on the phone they talked to versus somebody that they're excited and enthusiastic about talking to. But more importantly, and you know me, I like to talk. Yeah. So, so, you know, I wanted, I wanted my clients and my potential clients to know that, Hey, look, I'm the expert in this industry. And while I respect and recognize that there's a lot, you know, and can teach me too about, you know, your side of the business and, yeah. and what you know best, which I love. That's how I've learned so much. Um, I still wanted to make sure that they understood, respected, and appreciated the advice I gave them because like any, cons like any, like any, um, you know, seasoned consultants, you know, they're paid for their time and the advice yeah. that they give. But when you're new, you know, it's like, how do you earn that, le that level of trust and that reputation, especially in an industry like cannabis, yeah. whereas, you know, how I came from, you know, from Pepsi, you know, I'd have like the instant cred, right. Yeah. But I had to build my cred from an industry that was uncredible, but now incredible. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And speaking of incredible brands, uh, what are some of your favorites that you worked with in the past? Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. Or projects. Like what have been some of your you know, favorite projects that you've worked on? Maybe some innovative marketing campaigns that you... Yeah, um, uh, candescent, fun. Nice. Yep. Uh, Gold kind uh, out of Michigan, Narvona out of Michigan. Uh, we won a global packaging award with them, so we were competing against Pfizer, Unilever, L'Oreal, P and G brands. So that was a that was a nice win. Um, Impressive. Yeah. And then we won a we won a Clio award with Gold kind, which was great. But um, you know, I, I think the, the you know to, just to make sure that I'm bringing this all back because I want to make sure that everyone listening right now is getting the utmost value yep. building your personal brand is i can't tell you how crucial and important it is um if there's anyone on your team outside yourself who feels comfortable being that face for the company i suggest you do that because i'll tell you the relationship that i have with my clients because of the trust i've built in the industry is a completely different conversation than being a vendor versus a partner and when i look at the businesses in the industry, I think that, and if any, any, any of you have read my recent article in MG Magazine that was published in January, I talked about this year being the year of collaborations yep. because there's so many people looking at, oh, how can I compete? You know, these, this person's a competitor, this person's a competitor. Well, no, if you're selling joints and this person's selling concentrates, they're not really a competitor. You've got two different product focuses. In fact, they could be a partner, leverage their marketing, leverage their marketing in addition to yours and create a combined product an infused joint, not a new idea, 
But if you don't have an infused joint, make one with somebody who can help you infuse that, leverage their network, leverage yours, and you guys both win. So it's yeah. just a matter of being smarter, not working harder, and and looking at how you can how you can leverage one another's um, skill sets and reach. But that being said, I knew that by being a writer and by uh, you know taking all of the precautions to build my personal brand, that it would make it easier for me to you know uh, sell more deals, close more clients, yeah. bring on more business, right? Yeah. Um, also position myself with an opportunity to help my clients grow faster because I'm the one that's networked, right? I mean, people know who Wick and Mortar is. They know about the company, but they also know who I am. And they also know about my reputation and the things that I've done outside of the things that Wick and Mortar's capabilities are. Because, you know, when you're just, when you try to be a good guy and you try to be a good person and you try to go out of your way for people, people don't forget that. You know, there's, um, a video I posted on LinkedIn not too long ago about, you know, networking and it's how you become unforgettable and you become unforgettable by being the one that introduces people to other people because they're constantly going to be talking about you behind your back in the best possible way because <laughs> you made that introduction, yeah. you know, and you want people to be doing that. So you become unforgettable. And that's, that's how I feel like I'll live forever is just by giving back and being, being good to others. But yeah you know, with great responsibility um, comes great risk. And, you know, the, the, the bigger you get in any industry. So, you know, being a, a thought leader and influencer also comes with risks because you're susceptible to things. You know, I remember, I remember uh, I was um, on my Oculus Rift and I was um, looking at farms in Humboldt. I don't know if they're legal or illegal. I have no idea. I'm just looking at farms. I'm just like Google Earth in Oculus Rift, cool. Well, that video got misinterpreted. Somebody thought that I was flying a drone in Humboldt spying on farms. I would, why would I do that? I love Humboldt, I love smoking weed. <laughs> and it's not like, you know, it's like, you can't see roads, you can't, you know, it's, and so you have to be careful about, you know, what you do, what you say, and that's fine. Um, I like that anyways, just because it kind of keeps me in check a little bit. I used to be a bit of a, used to be a bit of a wild child when I was younger, but, <laughs> Um, as you know, uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, um, always an advantage to put yourself in a position where you have, uh, credibility just as much, if not more as your business does. And I think that's important because if I ever decide to sell my company, um, you know, I'll be good because, you know, it's not just my business. Isn't the only thing that made my name. I made my name and I, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so you want to make a name for yourself in the space. You got to do things that are, uh, of course, associated with your business, but you've got to be just as credible as the business is itself. So exactly. Your reputation is key, right? And we, you know, we've seen that uh, over the years working together in the industry and, you know, it's, it's key because there's a lot of people coming in the industry that you know, don't have the experience and, you know, especially marketing companies, they've dime a dozen. There's a ton of them coming in the industry with no, no credibility. Right. So. Yeah. And it's cancel culture. You know, it's like one, one post from a couple customers, you know, you could get a Reddit, you know, quickly on Reddit, somebody could easily start bashing your brand. And before you know it, you're out of business before you even started. Yep. You know, and you see it happen all the time. And, you know, we're doing tons and tons of rebrands because people are just getting smashed you know, by consumers. And it's like, well, you know, if you had better quality product, you might not get smashed as much, but 
you know, sometimes yeah, it's hard. Think. It's hard yeah. when you're doing quality control, you know, and you're licensing your brand to other states and you're not there to manage the expectations nearly as well. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues and things that happen, but you know, like anything, it's never perfect. It's just, yeah, exactly. Something I got to figure out. As far as, uh, you know, being an influencer in the cannabis space, how is that different from other industries? Like, is there any, why is it special? Uh, well, <laughs> it, it, it differs because of the rules and regulations that prohibit one from being able to do certain things with cannabis in certain and on certain posts in certain social media um, platforms. So TikTok's obviously like, you know, if you're planning on rolling a joint of any kind, you better put like a noodle in there and some like coffee grounds, you know, <laughs> and tea leaves or something like that. Like, and make sure that's like, you, you got to be blatantly obvious that you're not, there's no weed because we're talking about a completely different demographic of people. Um, exactly. So, exactly. So, in the thought so, setting here in the, um, in the Q and A is do companies get banned on IG or Facebook. I mean, that's a pretty easy question to answer. <laughs> yeah, they do, but less more, no less more now than before. I would say TikTok is still just as messed up um, in relation to one's ability to obtain or sustain a, a cannabis focused account, so to speak, but there's always tricks. You know, it's like just yeah. showing people, hey, I just took some edibles. This is how I feel. So don't show the action of, but how you feel afterwards. Um, so there's some things that you can do. Uh, but in terms of the, uh, in, in terms of Instagram, yeah, I'm verified on Instagram. So I can get away with a little bit more, I think, than other people can. But understanding the rules and regulations around what you can and can't say, don't try and sell anything, don't offer specials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't try and don't try and drive, uh, you know, um, people to your, your retail store quite directly. You know, it's yeah. saying, you know, you could say, Hey, grand opening or Hey, new product drops, you know, things like that are perfectly okay. Um, but when you're, uh, emphasizing and contributing to the sale of weed, that's when things start to get really finicky and tricky. And you just want to avoid that. You also have to remember that it's not always Instagram that is uh, targeting your account in terms of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Guillermo, when they, uh, flagging posts. Oh yeah. So posts can get flagged by competitors and that happens actually more than you can imagine. There's actually companies out there that I've heard uh, other companies are hiring to basically mass flag posts to get accounts banned, which sucks. So be very mindful about that. And you may even want to consider um, blocking certain competitors from being able to see uh, just to ensure that um, you're taking certain measures to protect your account and credibility. Um, and maybe make your account restricted and yep. before you before you allow anyone to to come in, you know, approve everyone individually, right? Yeah, you can do that. You can also make your account. I mean, that sounds like a pain in the ass, but you know, if you make your account twenty one and up, you can do that too. However, it makes your account undiscoverable. Yeah. So there's just there's just certain things, but you know, ideally, I I think the best 
social media accounts specific to a brand shouldn't be about necessarily the product either, uh, more so as it should be about the meaning behind the brand. You know, when you look at Apple, they their brand isn't about, you know, just creating great technology. People already know they do that. Yeah. Their, their brand is about um, highlighting the achievements of geniuses dead and alive and their technology being a tool to help amplify your genius. And I love that. And, you know, when you look at Nike, you know, yeah, they share, they sell shoes and apparel, but at the end of the day, you know, Nike is about honoring the achievements of great athletes and making people feel like they also have the ability to become a great athlete. So, so we have to ask ourselves, you know, deep down inside, you know, what is the mission behind our brand and what is the message we are trying to make people understand and feel? And when we look at, you know, what we're selling versus who we are, there's a complete, there's a, there's a very distinct difference because who you, who you are is why people are friends with you. It's why people fall in love with your brand. It's like your personality, yeah. you know, the weed is just a gift. I like you know that. what I mean? Yeah. And then I mean, how do you, how do you inject, uh, you know, cannabis influencers into, uh, into a marketing strategy for a brand? Ask that again. How, how can cannabis influencers be helpful to, to brands, you know, looking to improve their marketing strategy? Well, I would say influencers um, probably aren't going to be the best solution for you unless you're working with micro influencers and you've got a local brand, unless you've got a CBD brand or a national product or some sort of ancillary product or service, um, you know, then in that case, it makes, it may make more sense to work with larger influencers who have a, who have a larger national reach. But I find micro influencers to be far more effective just because, you know, when, when you look at how many people follow what I call a micro influencer, it's usually, you know, a thousand to 5,000. Yeah. And, and typically most of those people are friends with that person. So it becomes the, the, the shareability of, uh, you know, a product on their story becomes more of a referral than it does something. You're just, you know, a product you're just kind of, and I hate to use whoring around, you know, um, because at the end of the day, like we want to make sure that the, uh, people looking at this product the one that we're asking these micro influencers to promote, take it, take it more seriously. Um, and that'll happen naturally because of the, in, the, in, the, uh, I guess the intimacy between the, uh, uh, or the relationship between, you know, the people that they're, that, that individual is following. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's just a lot, it's just a closer relationship. And when you can, when you have a closer relationship with the people you're following, and vice versa, it's just easier to distribute, sell a product. So go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's the difference between those type of campaigns? Like if I wanna reach, uh, I mean, I'm in Los Angeles and you know, I wanna reach uh, a million followers as a sum for, for my campaign. Like that's my goal. I wanna make sure that there's a, a million followers across Los Angeles or see me. How would you go about that on a micro level than on a mainstream level? Um, well, like a I sample first, campaign. Yeah. I would, I would, you know, me first, I'd be like, okay, well, why do you need a million followers? Right. What is a million followers going to do for your business? You know, I, I, cause I would want to know what the impact they believe that's going to have, because if I'm going to 
go and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go and create this you know social media campaign that uh, is designed to uh, you know increase the followers that you have as well as engagement, I'd want to know that if the products we're selling uh, are going to be available online for people to buy. Because if so, then sure, uh, having a national audience of people from all over makes sense, but that doesn't necessarily make your audience quality, right? Because at the end exactly. of the day, we, we want a quality audience, not just a lot of followers. There's, it's great to have optics because it shows that people trust you. And there's, so there's a, there's a level of credibility there. You know, if I'm a brand and I walk into a dispensary to do a product drop and I've got a million followers, well, bud tenders and, and dispensaries are probably going to be far more interested in pushing our product if every time we go to the dispensary, we feature the dispensary in our posts and our story. And so that's exciting for them because they're like, oh my gosh, they have a million followers. I want to be on their video, right? Um, but that's not important. That's not, but that's, but that's one piece. Um, and whether or not it's uh, worth the value of spending the money to get these followers for a local brand may not be the best use of money. Um, whereas developing, developing, and, and again, if we're talking about LA, fortunately, LA has a lot of yeah. influencers. Lot of here. Yeah. So yeah. you got a large, you got a large pool, but for everyone who's not based in LA and looking at how to solve this problem in other States where, you know, we don't have, you know, celebrities walking around the corner, you know, left and right, uh, you know, micro influencers, are better, and I see someone asking a question. What does it cost for micro influencers? Micro influencers can be can be free. Micro influencers can be you know uh, somebody that you obtain in exchange for product. Yeah. You know, so when um, when you look at uh, Stizzy, um, you know their micro influencer campaign, it's pretty simple. You know they uh, they basically give out free product to their micro influencers. Their micro influencers are responsible for you know, obviously sharing and talking about the product and um, it, it, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, they just send out a little SOP, tells them the do's and don'ts and what they can and can't do. And, um, and then they get that content, but they, they develop a nice little network of people. Uh, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting that I discovered about a year and a half ago was this uh, company called Cinebody, C-I-N-E-B-O-D-Y.com. And what they have is a really interesting piece of technology uh, it's essentially a video collaboration tool. We all have a phone, um, but the challenge is gathering content from our fans and followers and friends when it comes to the things they do and talk about with our brand. Um, so what this tool does, it gives your, gives your, your patrons, fans, friends, the ability to become content creators for you. So the idea is that by making them a creator, their video content will be displayed or shown in videos that you produce. Odessa did this when they were going on tour. They sent out this invite to all of their fans for them to become uh, contributing creators. And so with the app, you can basically set up, you know, how you want the screen positioned, vertical, horizontal, what the frame rate is. Um, it's really nice. And so uh, by being able to storyboard the content out prior to your uh, fans shooting it within the set perimeters that you've created for them, it makes it easier to gather content while also building raving fans. Because now these people who are essentially just consumers first, um, 
are now your fans because they're seeing content they create built into the content you distribute. And that's free to you, whereas it would cost money oftentimes trying to obtain that from others. So you can almost build micro-influencer campaigns through your own network just by providing them with more creative tools to uh, centrifuge the, uh, the way that you gather that. So it's a pretty fun tool. Yeah, and as far as creating a budget, I mean, I know it's probably relative depending on what the goals are, right? I mean, if you're a, if you're a brand in California, you're looking to get statewide exposure, like what type of monthly budget should you have for a social media uh, influencer campaign? Well, let's start with, because a lot of people want to jump into influencer campaigns without actually having their social media, you know, situation situated right? <laughs> they, um, they don't but, have all their, they don't have their, their, yeah, their assets, don't have their, their product ready. Maybe they don't have the distribution in place to get products to influencers, all these factors, right? Yeah. So you have to first ask yourself, you know, what kind of resources, how do we want to, how do we want this influencer to work with us or how do we want to work with them? Are they creating the content or are we creating the content and then providing it to them to distribute? So that's the first thing you have to ask yourself, because if they're going to create the content versus you distributing something then, or versus them distributing something for you, there's going to be a price difference because if they have to create it, then that's time and money. Yep. So be mindful of that. Um, you can also create content using something that they provide you. So they might give a shout out and then you can go and take that and then create it how you need to, which is a, a cost reduction. And, and it might be better because they're getting something a little bit more better produced. Um, whereas I would say, you know, shotgun type, uh, you know, filming is also great too. The kind of the amateur style works really well. Um, but, uh, then I would say when looking at, uh, you know, our audience, uh, are we choosing the right influencers, uh, and are we examining the influencers network? So here's some things you might want to double check. So a lot of influencers, um, fake their, um, you know, fake their following. Um, they're okay. typically, a lot of them are part of like uh, engagement groups with other followers, or I'm sorry, with other influencers. Yeah. And so if you see accounts that, that have like, you know, the first 10 or 15 or even 20 comments are all verified people, chances are, um, you know, if, if they're maybe only averaging, you know, hundred comments, you know, maybe 100, 150 comments, and you see a large portion of them are also influencers uh, verified, chances are they're probably a part of an engagement network and the uh, following count. I mean, it's just so many, there's so many fake influencers out there. That's just, it's bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It's, I, all, it's all van vanity metrics. They just, yeah, yeah, it's, it's vanity metrics and you just waste so much money this gal, I remember reading a story. She had like 4.2 million followers. She launched a clothing line. She thought she was going to sell out. She sold three pieces of clothes. So yeah, she didn't, her, her, her follower account wasn't engaging. They didn't really care about her product. She might've and bought this account from someone else. Yeah. Who knows? And it was, and it's her own account, her own followers, her own clothes. So if she can't sell her own shit, what makes you think she's going to sell your shit? So yeah. that's why, that's why I kind of just try to avoid larger influencers period, unless they're, unless there's somebody that, you know, everyone knows, 
you know, and there's a, you know, like if it's the rock or if it's like, you know, somebody, you know, somebody, extreme, somebody extremely recognizable versus like some Joe Blow TikTok dancer, in, which might be great, you know, depending on the, you know, the situation, but it's really, it's got to really be specific to your brand. Like for me, and I'm launching a brand focused on the video gaming industry, you know, and that means that I can leverage, you know, video game creators and, and a specific niche of influencer type. Um, on Twitch. Yeah. I just wrote a post about that. Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Twitch. Yeah. Twitch. So, so when there's a theme around your brand, it makes it easier to identify that specific market segment. So let's say your brand was like magic, you know, and you were focused on magic and that was kind of the theme and you wanted to show people on your social media, how you make nugs disappear. Hey, did you know you had a, did you know you had a, a nug behind your ear? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's just, that's just kind of funny. And if you were to go and find like you know, famous magicians or do, you know, there's cool shit that you can do. So, you know, I think, I think a lot of brands have a hard time staying on brand when it comes to the, you know, when it comes to some of the things that they do. Um, so, uh, you know, look at things like that. I also think that, uh, you know, giveaways are a great way to build, um, you know, your following, especially through, you know, influencers versus just shout outs. So, that I believe tends to get far more engagement. Um, oddly enough, like I'll do a post every time, you know, every now and again, when I go grocery shopping, I'll fill up my grocery cart with like four or $500 worth of food. You've seen, I've that. seen that. And, post, I'll, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I'll post, I'll post like, Hey, you know, 50 bucks for a person who guesses the, you know, comes to the number close enough to what I paid for my groceries. And I'll get like 400 comments. And it's like, <laughs> Man, you, someone should have so, sponsored that post. <laughs> I know. I know. Should throw, I know. Some, throw some products in that in the shopping cart. <laughs> Safeway, Safeway should have sponsored my post, but but I think it's also being a lot more tactful too about you know what kinds of questions you're asking, ensuring that you're getting a much better conversion on that post, and so there's a it's a combination of things. You know, you really have to be just thoughtful when you're, you know, you're, you're, you're doing this because the budget can change insurmountably, you know, it can be extremely large. It can be extremely low. It just depends on how good you are at um, collaborating. Now, when you look at the cost of social media alone, managing an account, just expect to spend at least five grand a month minimum for someone to manage an account. <laughs> and we're talking about maybe one to two social media accounts because that's a full-time job. Scheduling posts, managing posts, writing copy, um, community engagement. Uh, you know, there's just so many things that you know you can be doing on a full-time basis to build your brand and bring in real followers. Uh, I think one of the coolest, one of the, one of the tricks I love is, uh, you know, you let's say you you follow all your competitors um, and you've got their post notifications turned on, so every time they post, you get a notification. Well, anytime somebody goes and starts liking that post or commenting on that post, you can see right away the people that are online because you're actively following the post engagement. Yeah. So when somebody goes and likes that, that post or comments on it, you go to their profile and you start liking a bunch of their pictures and you comment on one of their posts. And if you do that throughout the day, you're going to hit the exact demographic of people you want. And those are people who are actively online. So, you know, you're reaching them. They're going to see your stuff immediately. So it's, it's a very, it's a very thought out process that requires, you know, somebody full time. You know, I think it's, 
interesting when people come to us from time to time expecting social media to cost a couple thousand bucks because their daughter's friend can do it for that much. And that's their expectation of what this should cost. Well, what it should cost and what your expectations should be are, you know, a much larger conversation than my, my daughter does it. She's got a few thousand friends on her, on her account. And she knows about social media. It's like, cool. But yeah, every, everyone knows about marketing, right? <laughs> everyone has opinion. Well, well, everyone, everyone who has, you know, it's like, just because you have a social media account doesn't make you an expert in social media. Um, it might mean you're familiar with it, but don't give yourself too much credit because there's a lot of shit that can go wrong in cannabis CBD when <laughs> advertising marketing. And there's so many advantages, right? As well, when you know about them, it makes you stand out from everyone else. And I think understanding what you can and can't do also creates an opportunity for you to do what you know you can that others don't know about. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And how do you how do you set expectations with influencers as far as KPIs? Like what you know, what should you be tracking as far as engage? Is it engagement? Is it uh, likes? Is it you know? Can you can you can you offer a discount code? Uh, someone in the audience here, Assad, he is asking, is it legal to offer discounts and products to consumers through an influencer? Um. I would say, depending on the state you're in, you can't really offer discounts on anything, period, unless we're talking about like an ancillary product. So the answer is yes. If you're a cannabis brand, but you have an apparel line, um, you can do that. Um, The apparel line has to be set up on a subdomain so that you're essentially protecting yourself. um, Because if, you know, Facebook goes and they check out your, your website and they see you're selling cannabis, you know, direct from the page that you're linking them to, well, then you might have a problem. Um, I tend to say, I, I tend to, you know, uh, go with, you know, creating a landing page where people actually have to fill out some level of information in order to obtain the deal. Uh, just because having a follower is great. It's great. But how long is that follower going to be around for? More importantly, are they following you from a spam account? And if, if part of the deal, part of obtaining this special or this 25% off of this t-shirt or whatever the, whatever the giveaway is, mm-hmm. we want more of their information. So we want to drive them to a landing page. We want their first and last name, phone number, email, at least maybe location so that we can really start tracking metrics and understanding how effective these influencers are. Yeah. But, and get, and get people to opt in your, to your marketing messages. So you can send them emails, text messages. So you're compliant, right? And we being able to remarket to them, you know, um, Guillermo, why don't you tell, you know, why don't you tell them about how emails are used to uh, remarket through um, the Facebook pixel and, and through, uh, well, you know, what I'm talking about, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, God, I, had, I had a thought around the, the influencers as well. So number one, you want to, you want to convert those, those followers to actual potential customers, right? Uh, you can add a UTM for all, like you can give a unique UTM to all the different influencers. So you can see where people that opted in to your campaign actually came from. So that'd be first step. And then once you have the email, we can import that into the MediaGel network and we can create uh, mobile phone hashtags, almost like a mobile phone uh, device IDs or like a social security number almost for your phone. 
And then we can send ads to that person. We can follow them around, you know, if they're stizzy, um, you know, for a stizzy campaign, if someone filled out their email address, they're in Los Angeles, they, you know, they, uh, they want 30% off the first order, boom. They don't check out on that first time. We want to make sure that we follow them around and, you know, it's the marketing rule of seven, right? We want to make sure that we are top of mind and continue to ensure like the, they're aware of the brand uh, because it, they're not, in most cases, they're not going to buy right away. Yep. They, they might be busy. They might be in a, they might be an Uber going to, you know, going to dinner and they don't have time to, to go through a checkout process. So they'll come look at it yep. later. Boom. They get stoned, forget about it. Next day, you see the ads rolling around and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I should uh, probably take advantage of that discount. And yep. Boom, yep. There you go. <laughs> and, and Guillermo, let me ask you this question. You know, I, I feel like I know the answer, but I'm curious to hear your, your input. Do you think yeah. social media is more important for a retailer or for a, uh, a cannabis brand? Uh, probably a, probably a cannabis brand. Uh, the only reason is it's going to be hard to, to localize all your followers. So if you have a retail brand, you're only in one city, it's going to be hard to limit that to only, you know, Seattle. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just really hard, hard to segment that and keep it focused. So if you have a brand and if you're in California as a whole, boom, you have a bigger market, you have almost 40 million people, you have a better chance of people recognizing your brand and then going into one of their local retail stores and purchasing the product, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. And I, I would agree with that. And I feel like, you know, retail, you know, driving traffic to, you know, a, a retail store or Instagram has the ability to convert less, as you mentioned, followers into foot traffic. Yep. And, and I, think, I think what we're talking about here is really understanding now how to identify best use of funds when it comes to spending your money in social media versus perhaps other marketing solutions. And in retrospect, the effectiveness of you know, the solution. So I think if you're, you know, when you look at uh, a lot of retail stores, they might have like, you know, Cookies LA, Cookies Oakland, or, you know, something like that um, in an effort to ensure that they're obtaining more local followers from that, from that location. But with retail too, you know, especially with them, it's very, it's kind of franchise models. So they would prefer to have individual accounts. Now, when, when looking at, what were you going to say? No, go ahead. I was going to, so then when you look at, when you look at brands, you know, the same challenges are there too, to a degree, because if your brand is only sold at, you know, five locations or seven locations uh, in LA and you're obtaining followers from other states, well, that's not really going to do you much good unless you're selling ancillary products and other things as well. Um, so like cookies did with their clothing, right? right. That's how they got started. And boom, now they're one of the biggest global cannabis brands out there and expanding to Canada. And yeah, it's, um, Kind of had another item. Oh, one thing to remember too: social media is top funnel, right? So it's you know you're really just getting brand awareness. It's like a, a mobile billboard, right? You're seeing it top of funnel. People are scrolling through their feed. It's almost like driving through driving on the freeway, and you're seeing on the billboards in LA, right? So it can be quite distracting. So it it's really top of funnel. Uh, same thing with programmatic advertising. Same top of funnel. Any at home advertising that's all top of funnel. And then if you want to drive intent, you know, the goal is to uh, 
you know, for example, Stizzy, uh, someone's in Los Angeles, they see, they see the Stizzy ads 10 times, boom, then they go to Google and they search for Stizzy and they find their where to buy page and then they can go shop for that product. But you're not, you're not really going to get that many conversions from top of funnel. It's going to come down more you know, once the customer has that intent to purchase and they're ready to buy. And it's, it's usually not through social media because you're interrupting what they're already doing, right? So, yep. <clears throat> I almost just drank, just took a sip of milk instead of my coffee. <laughs> yeah, take your time. I got a few questions here. So, what if you covered a whole area like the barrier? Yeah, I mean, you can do Bay Area is big. I mean, there's, I'm from the Bay Area and I mean, there's millions of people in that larger San Francisco Bay Area. You got North Bay, East Bay. San Francisco, then you go all the way down to San Jose and there, it's huge populations. Uh, but with that being said, like people aren't going to drive that far from where no, they are to, to buy. Right? And, and I would say one, one, one of the biggest missed opportunities, I would say easily over 95% of the brands in cannabis miss this. And that's, um, uh, you know, giving asset, creative assets to your retail stores is crucial. So many brands don't give creative material to retail stores to use to promote their products, but should be. And if they did, these retail stores would be spending less money on creating content themselves, which in theory, you're doing them a favor. So the more creative tools you give a dispensary to distribute through their own social, uh, the better. Um, and remember that because it's stuff you're already creating. This is just more so a part of your cross content marketing strategy and relation to leveraging dispensaries uh followers you know if you're trying to find local followers dispensaries and bud tenders are your influencers they're your micro influencers yeah befriend the hell out of these bud tenders they're the ones talking to consumers all the time and the more love you give them and the more you make them a part of your brand um the more you stand to make and the larger your reputation becomes specific to the area uh, and, and to the dispensary. So go ahead. Yeah. I'm just looking at uh, a message here from Paige. Long uh, question. So yeah, building a brand seems to be first step, you know, while retailers can ride the coattails to some extent uh, because more difficult when dispensaries has own brand competing with others. Yeah. I mean, as you said, he, I mean, Brands, they need to take the initiative to provide this content to dispensaries. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what percentage, but, you know, a lot of dispensaries don't even promote their business on social media in some cases. They don't have the budget for it, right? Yep. Uh, yep. And I think, I think a, budget, a budget for social media is, is often... When trying to identify, you know, what should I be spending on social media, first ask yourself, do you have a social media strategy or are you just posting to post? Because you can't expect to hire a company to come in and take over social media without a strategy. Otherwise it's just going to be them polishing a turd. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that there's a, you know, there's goals in place and most companies don't know how to set those goals. They just, they know what they think they want, but they don't know exactly how that converts into what they need it to. Yeah. It's like, cool. I want more followers great. I can make that happen. But what do you want those followers to do? What is the intention? What yeah. is the goal? Is it brand awareness? Is it, uh, you know, ancillary sales? Uh, it, what is it? Um, delivery? Who knows? 
So there's a number of there's a number of thresholds one needs to consider, but the strategy nonetheless needs to consist of a cross content marketing strategy. So it's where you're creating all of this content, but being aware of how to properly repurpose it so that you're not wasting more money on content. Like if I did a photo shoot for um, flower, this a flower photo shoot, and with with isolated product photos of packaging, I would repurpose those into swipe up campaigns for product drops and other things versus just recreate an entirely new post from scratch and not use any of the photography I've used before. Exactly. It just seems like a waste. So exactly, exactly. Uh, we have a message uh, question from Paige. Is there a site or company we should go to in order to find relevant influencers or do we need to find our own influencers in the space? Um, you know, I would say, uh, there's not really a website I would recommend to go and find, you know, uh -huh. specific influencers. Uh, I would say it's, it's more personal. You kind of have to just do your own due diligence because again, if your brand is focused on, you know, magic, right. And you're not, I mean, obviously you're not selling magic tricks, but if you taught magic tricks through your social media, you know, how to make a nug disappear, how to pull a nug from behind someone's ear. Like that's a completely different uh, message than buy me product drop. So now we're creating something that's a little bit more viral. So I think we also have to examine the type of content we're creating and what we expect to get out of each piece because simply posting pictures of your product are not going to result in sales. They're not gonna result in an engagement, much engagement, unless people are, packaging experts and they really love the way you designed that, you know, cool, cool. You might like, like that, but <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might give it a heart, but I might not let, you know, it might not inspire a comment, but yeah. if you said to be, you know, how much do you think it costs to create this entire, you know, packaging solution? I might, I might jump in because you asked me a question and I'm like, Ooh, challenge, you know, yeah. like, I think I know the answer to that. I think I do, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, and so, you know, uh, I think I kind of got off on a tangent and it's my ADD for me, but uh, right. at the, at the end of the day, you know, everything needs to have, you know, intention and uh, it can't just be surface level stuff. It's kind of like, you know, your brand is, uh, uh, it's like your child, you know, how do you want it to, how do you want it to grow up? You know, what do you want him or she to him or her to be like? And the influencers, you know? like what friends do you want them to hang around with? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So, so like, again, if, if I'm focused on magic or gaming, you know, I'm going to go for, you know, streamers, or I'm going to go for, you know, magicians who already have a, a, a large following, but like, Hey, you, can you, can I commission you to like do a magic trick with weed with our brand? That <laughs> is funny. And that's shareable. And that makes far more sense. It's yeah. unique. And yeah. so when you know who you are, it's easier to understand how to develop content around the people you're after in relation to influencing your brand. But if you're just a generic, if you're just an everything to everyone brand, and you're asking you know, everyone to do everything for you, then chances are um, everyone's not gonna know who you are, what you stand for. You know, it's kind of like Red Bull, you know, they're extreme sports. You know, when you watch something, it's, you're gonna watch something pretty damn cool. You know, uh, what are you known for? You know, what do people recognize you as? What makes you different? Cause it can't be your weed process and it can't be your flower. No one yeah, can say, not, oh, I'm a differentiator, yeah, yeah. yeah. I grow great weed. Cool. Like everyone else. Everyone oh, else. My, my process is so unique. Cool. Like everyone else. Every, you know? Everyone has to be compliant. They can't have pesticides. They can't have, yeah, it's pretty, um, 
you know, the standards are there, right? Uh, Megan has yeah, a question. So if you, she has a delivery service in the Bay Area. Uh, she wants to get new customers. Um, so uh, she's, she says, you know, she can create posts interacting with your life, um, you know, different ways that you use cannabis, smoking, et cetera. Uh, yeah, I probably, I mean, you could run a campaign like that for brand awareness. I would do more of a, an SEO or a Google ads campaign because you're going to want to target, you know, uh, Oakland marijuana delivery service or some of these other keywords that people are searching for because they're actually going to buy. So I think, I think one thing you could do is you could like, as an idea, you could say, Hey, here are the top 10 best places to, to, to smoke in Oakland. Right. Yep. You know, you know, so you could do like, Hey, these are my, these are our top smoking sesh spots. Right. Yep. And then you start pushing that regularly. And then you have like little posters in those areas where people are constantly seeing your brand. And, and so you become now known for like creating these like special smoke locations, these like hidden locations. And then you could start having little seshes and meetups. And so there's a lot of cool stuff that you can yeah. do to, to localize your influence, to create yeah. more community. I think the biggest thing brands need to realize is that cannabis is an industry that fits in other communities. Cannabis is a community of its own, but it's apprised of people from other communities that have been around just as long, if not longer. So when you look at the psychographs, psychographics of a video gamer, yeah. it's the same as a cannabis consumer. When they play yeah. is when they smoke, right? It's like um, uh, over 50% of gamers are using cannabis while playing. Like they can, bar they can barely see the screen because it's, uh, you know, the room's full well, of smoke. <laughs> I mean, just, just to give you guys some stats, like the average video game player is between uh, 35 and 40, makes roughly $80,000 a year. So they've got an expendable income. They've been playing for an average of 12 years. So they're very loyal. They've either stuck with Nintendo, Xbox, or Nintendo, PlayStation. But you also have your phones and your computers now that play games. So the average consumer typically has, like I said, two consoles in a household, 57% yep. uh, male, 43% female. And the, the video gaming industry, because it combines entertainment and music, is actually larger than the entertainment and music industry combined. So when you look at where NFTs came from, which is gaming, it makes sense that the video game industry is a great you know, area to focus on, which is why that's, I'm focused on it. And when you look at the fact that there are tons of gamers who are uh, have you know, are on the spectrum, they've got some level of disability um, or veterans. Um, yep. I went to some gaming conferences and there's tons of nonprofit uh, groups that focus on, you know, gamers who are veterans, war veterans. And I thought it was really interesting because I didn't know that. And so when you, when you really understand your niche and your market, uh, it makes it a bazillion times easier to understand how you're going to develop your social media content, how you're going to frame it, how you're going to position it, who you're going to work with, it just makes it easier because when you're just an everything to everyone brand, everyone could help you, but that makes it 10 times more difficult to isolate who is the best person to help get your message across yeah. to your consumers. Yep. Yep. And Assad says you're on a roll. What strain are you using? <laughs> I'm actually, I, I, I haven't smoked any weed. I haven't smoked any weed yet this morning, but, <laughs> but one of our, one of our new clients, um, about to blaze on, um, uh, heavy grass, heavy grass products it's brand new brand semi new brand out of la so they're focused awesome. on what's great about them is they're focused on heavy metal and rock music right love it so, so that is their niche and that's great because 
they're extremely focused. Yeah, I've been to, I went to a heavy metal rock concert up in Sacramento and they had cannabis right there on site. Like, boom, perfect product placement, right? What it's just like Coachella, uh, like outside lands, like they're, they're all doing it, activating the brands in person. Yep. Yep. That's right. And there's other things you can do. Like, you know, I set up an influencer house in Seattle and it's not really an influencer house. It's more of a content house. Um, and I live there and it's just me and my roommate and he's also my creative director, which is great because I've got this 4,200 square foot penthouse on the water that I don't have to pay rent for because clients sponsor the house because of the content that's being produced from the creative community that we've built. And awesome. so, and so How'd it you makes come up with that idea. Shit. COVID happened. Uh, I had a 20, about 20,000 square foot office that my employees weren't working from anymore because they wanted to work from home for obvious reasons. Um, a lot of weed and yeah. uh, the desire to want to live in a place that um, I could work from comfortably and have my team come over and work from and also have the ability to engage and interact with more creatives in Seattle. The creative community in Seattle is big, but there isn't much of a community, I should say. So there's there's a lot of creatives. You got Microsoft. You got I mean, you got a lot of a lot of business here, yeah. but you've got very minimal community uh, relations here. So you know, I wanted to build and develop a community of creatives, and you know, through the sponsors, uh, you know, it helps create a significant cost reduction in content um, and influencer opportunities. But it's really best for local brands, not so much national brands, unless you know you're selling you know, a, a digital good or an ancillary product. But and Simone has a question here. My son and I have an apparel line for cannabis education and advocacy. Should we tell our story to the public? Should, should we share our journey? Um, if you have an apparel line focused on education and advocacy, I would make those shirts like as like funny as possible. Um, you yeah. know, like something that's almost like cheap, like extremely cheeky. So it's kind of like, um, you know, if you're, if you on LinkedIn, you look at like the cynical stoner, she's got like really niche, uh, like shirts. Um, you know, uh, you know, if you think cannabis or, I mean, you could make up all sorts of interesting educational, you know, puns and things. Um, but in order to normalize, you know, the cannabis industry, uh, you know, we have to make, we, we obviously take it seriously. Um, otherwise we wouldn't have gotten this far but we still all still have to remember that cannabis is fun. And um, if we are going to normalize it, we need to make sure that people understand that this is something that makes you feel almost like a kid again, or helps you because there's, and, and remember this too, we're talking about three completely different market segments. We've got medical, recreational, and wellness. So, you know, this is a pretty unique plant given the fact that there is nothing like this that, you know, seeps into all three kind of verticals. Um, So, you know, I think it also depends on, you know, who you are as a brand and how you want that messaging to be conveyed. Because I look at like the Dollar Shave Club versus Gillette, Schick and Braun. Dollar Shave Club had a $50,000 budget versus what Gillette, Schick and Braun have as far as their marketing capital goes is a complete difference. So the Dollar Shave Club came out with a witty, comical, funny personality that was far and few between Gillette, Schick, and Braun, which I believe their personality was very mold, uh, bold, masculine, and futuristic. And so because they differentiated 
themselves so much from their competitors. It gave them a leg up because, I mean, shit, the content they produced was phenomenal. It's funny. It's clever. Um, and they made, they, they created a, a, you know, a stamp for themselves. You see a lot of people now kind of building, creating videos similar to that style, whereas they were the first one. And I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty cool. That's yeah, pretty cool. Agreed. Well, we're up on an hour here, Jared. Thank you for your insights. And as always, uh, thank you for the audience uh, for joining in. Uh, where can everyone find you? Like where? Uh... Yep. You can find me on, uh, obviously I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I, you can find me on social media at jared.mersky. Uh, there's uh, you can also check out my podcast, Rebranding Cannabis, which is on Altered TV. And as well as the audio is on, that's the video version. Audio is on every uh, platform you can think of just about. Um, and then, um, you know, if you're interested in learning more about how to create budgets around, you know, digital marketing, um, uh, social media marketing, uh, you know, building that strategy, go to market strategy, that is something that I specialize in. It's actually why I'm in LA working with some clients, uh, helping them get their social media marketing strategies, you know, dialed in, um, yeah. you know, like Yambo said, I've been doing this for you know, almost 17 years now in cannabis, 16, 17 years now. Uh, so uh, a lot of experience. I know the answers to a lot of the things because I've helped a lot. I've also helped write uh, a lot of the rules. Um, I've worked with a variety of liquor control boards throughout the country to help them understand the difference between you know, a logo and a cartoon character, um, but more so just branding and marketing loopholes and all that fun stuff. So yeah, um, happy to help. Wonderful, Darren. Well, awesome. see you soon. Catch you in uh, Seattle sometime soon. And I gotta, I gotta join you on your podcast. That's right. Yes, you do. Yes, you Let's do. Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, and and uh, I'm also, uh, I have a course for sale as well um, through our website. Uh, I will, uh, I'll put it in the link here. I already posted your, I already posted a wicked mortar here, but post the, um, post the course in here as well. Yeah, let me, uh, I'll post the course in here real quick. Let me just kind of minimize my screen. Da, 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 da. What are you most excited about this year? Um, I'm most excited about launching some of my own brands. Awesome. And finally getting the opportunity to partner with my clients on licensing these in a variety of different states. So that is my, that is my current uh, objective. All right. Oh. So I am, boom, I just dropped the course in there. Uh, what's great about this course too, is that it comes with uh, a workbook where, you know, you'll obviously get access to, um, uh, kind of our secret sauce and our formula as far as how we construct these brands and personalities and hopefully you like it. Yeah. Well, thank you again, everyone. Cheers. Peace. Awesome. Take care, everyone. <laughs>